Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Howdy all, I'm Jonah, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm going to take off my glasses so that y'all be, will be blurry and I don't have to stare at the uh, Hollywood squares of anxiety. Um, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I'll just get started. Um, so I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm also many other things, exercise bulimic, normal bulimic, restrictor, kind of the list goes on. But the point is that I uh, have a spiritual malady that centers around my relationship with food and my body. Uh, I'm sponsored actively uh, and uh, engaged in step work. I have a little bit over nine months abstinence um, and I'm really happy to be sharing. Uh, So yeah, I guess I'll just get started at the beginning. Um, I grew up in the West Coast mostly in uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, I come from a family of disordered eaters is how I like to put it. Everyone is either um, in their disordered eating or in recovery from their disordered eating, depending on the exact family member. Uh, I grew up with really severe, uh, allergies. I was kind of a bubble boy. Um, I could only eat five foods growing up. So really early on this obsession with particularly like food being something that I wasn't allowed to enjoy the way other people were allowed to enjoy, um, was really, really present for me. And this idea that my body was somehow my enemy and I'm not my body and how sickly I was or how painful it was. Like, I'm not saying those are the reasons that I'm a compulsive overeater or that I have this spiritual malady, but they certainly helped in the formation of the psychology that I'm working to overcome and transform. Um, So yeah, you know, once I, I was a really you know, good boy when it came to food. I did what my mother told me and ate healthy and only ate the right amounts and only ate the foods I wasn't allergic to. Um, But basically starting at about 13 years old, um, when I started fighting with her, when uh, I was deciding that I was going to live in with my dad and all these changes started coming, I made an executive decision that I was going to eat whatever I wanted and whenever I wanted to. I remember it really, really vividly. My dad took me out to eat and I got some food that I would have never been allowed to have. I'm not going to mention specifics because I don't know what people's different relationship with specific foods are, but I, um, I ate to the point that I had to unbuckle my pants my first time really binge eating. And it was, uh, you know, really memorable and really satisfying. And I felt really good afterwards. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm a double winner in another program. So I, some, like, in the midst of that journey, as I kind of really started to get into my binge eating, I also got deep into drinking and using a lot of drugs. And, you know, um, my life kind of started to fall apart from this good boy. I was, you know, I was the, like, in the California State Honor Choir kid, reading the textbook for fun kid in a little Bob Dylan Gap print t-shirt with cargo shorts and a rolly green backpack and a bowl cut. Um, I was really, really cool. You really wanted to hang out with me. Um, And, but the idea was that as I got into all of my addictions, 
as I really started to dive into my spiritual malady, I, um, everything kind of fell apart. You know, I did what any good Jewish boy would do and found myself the first gorgeous heroin addict I could and got married to them and moved to Chicago. I, uh, you know, started to drink when things were good and drink when things were bad and eat when things were good and eat when things were bad. And I only mentioned my drinking because um, the big change in my life that really changed my relationship with food from when I started eating was getting sober. Um, my eating was contained by my using other drugs and other substances. I didn't have to eat as much. When I did eat, I could just throw up. I would really engage in like, I'll go out and I'll do five nights of dancing a week so that I can do whatever I want. And I'll do 16 hours of cardio this week. And then I can have the huge meal that is meant for three people. Um, but you know, when I got, uh, when I sobered up, uh, all of those coping mechanisms that I'd been used to manage my weight and manage my relationship with food left with my drinking and using drugs. And immediately the yo-yo started in the biggest way. And the obsession to control what I looked like started in the biggest way. And I've been, I've yo-yoed. Five minutes. Thank you so much. You said that was five minutes or I have five all minutes? Right. Nope. Five minutes elapsed. I have five minutes left or lapsed? You have 10 minutes left. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that was very confusing. Um, so yeah, so in that first kind of year where I got sober, I yo-yoed a full 100 pounds. Um, my eating looked like everything from having one meal a day that had no bread and sugar to having three meals a day, all three of which were deep fried and big, huge meals. Um, and I was just in that quest to make food something that would take care of all the feelings I was suddenly having. Um, and about four years ago, I tried for the first time to come to OA. And, you know, I spent pretty much a four straight years um, coming to OA, trying to get abstinent and relapsing over and over and over again. And what kept bringing me back was I knew enough about addiction to know that I had an addictive relationship with food. And I knew enough about 12-step programs to know that I could bring that problem to a 12-step program and get taken care of. But my problem kept being over and over again that I was not desperate, I was not willing, and I thought I knew better than the entirety of the program of Overeaters Anonymous. I've already had a spiritual experience. I've already had a psychic change. You don't understand how many people I sponsor. This is going to be different for me. Um, and like, I refused to let my program in OA be its own independent process. And so no matter how many meetings I was going to, no matter how many sponsors I went through or how many years those sponsors had, it wasn't clicking for me. And every relapse looked exactly the same. It was relapsing on what my planned abstinence was, then saying, well, never mind, that wasn't actually my abstinence. And then keeping it a secret that I relapsed because I changed my abstinence, I hadn't relapsed. And then relapsing again, and then continuing to go to meetings and just totally neglecting to mention that I'd relapsed. And then finally just dropping out from meetings, never telling anyone that I'd gone out, never telling anyone that my 
program had been compromised. Um, and I don't mean that a relapse is a compromise of the program, but a relapse plus dishonesty and refusing to work it further was. And, you know, the biggest change that happened for me, uh, oh, cool, was about a little over nine months ago, I was actually at a fairly manageable weight. I was actually a little bit lighter than I am now. Uh, quarantine has added those extra pounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was coming to this place of I had left it, I had stopped dating for a little while. I was really having a chance to reflect on how I was feeling in the absence of all the new distractions I've filled my life with, my career, school, um, love and sex, all these things that make, make me feel good. And not that they're unimportant, but that when I'm doing those things, I don't have to think about how do I really feel about myself? How do I really feel about my body? How do I really feel after I finish a meal? And when those questions started to come up, I realized that there was this real, not realized, remembered, that there was this real sense of self-loathing. There was this real sense of feeling out of control and that every time I ate, I felt shitty about myself, like I'd done something awful to someone. Every time I uh, got on the scale or tried to fit in clothes that I couldn't fit into, every time the jeans were just a little bit too tight, I felt like breaking down and crying. Um, and I'm not saying one needs to be in pain to find recovery, but it certainly helped that I got into so much pain that I called a man who I told myself would never sponsor me because he was too strict and he was too this and he was too that and we had too much of a background. And I finally called him and I, I said, I really need your help. I can't do this anymore. Um, and he said, well, what's going on? And I talked him through it and, he said, and his response was really simple. It was just, it sounds like you need to let God into your relationship with food. He's like, why don't you call me tomorrow? We'll have a longer talk. And, you know, we had that conversation. We set my abstinence and he's been sponsoring me ever since. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've actually gained some weight in, uh, during this time. Uh, my food and the quality of my eating has kind of waffled up and down. Um, but there's been, but there's been steady progress that sense of real pain and real suffering that came with eating any meal that I didn't think I wanted to eat, that's left me for the most part. The sense, it's, it's my favorite line from our literature, that sense that if I just managed well enough, I could wrest satisfaction out of my life. And by that, I mean my food and my body and my relationship with both. That if I just managed them well enough, I would have the body I wanted and I'd feel how I want about my body and I'd be eating steamed kale with cracked pepper and white turkey for every meal. Um, and that delusion has started to really slip away in a major way. I've, um, I don't think this is the right solution for everyone, but I've actually turned my food over to a professional just because I kept on feeling really indecisive and confused and having no intuition about what it was I was supposed to eat. And, you know, just through talking with my sponsor and referencing my experience in the other program to which I belong, when there's a lack of an intuition, I hand my power over because I only, th that intuition, that sense that I know exactly what to do, that's what keeps me safe.
not a kind of egotistical, well, I know, but like, eh, maybe don't finish this whole sandwich. That's the thought I trust. Um, and I wasn't having it enough for me to really have the healthy relationship with food that I knew I wanted. Um, I'd say the other big thing has just been that, you know, physical recovery has been the last element to hit for me. And I kind of want to wrap up by saying this, just, um, you know, I have not lost the weight or gotten the six pack or sprouted to six two the way that I wish God would do for me. Um, but you know, all the other parts of my emotional recovery and my psychic recovery, this slowly coming to acceptance with my body, not there yet, but slowly coming to this slowly developing a sense of intuition about what I put into my body. It's totally not there yet, but getting to, um, and this lack of self-loathing about my body and about what I put in my body, um, that I've already got. And as much as I hate it, and I really hate it, I get genuinely angry. As much as I hate that physical recovery is the last thing I'm getting, I'm so grateful that it's the last thing I'm getting. Because now all of my gratitude and all of my sense of connectedness to my higher power is about the things that can't be taken away from me. You know, I could lose, if I, if I, if physical recovery was the first thing I got, then the minute I, I would gain weight, I would lose faith in God. And I know that about myself because that's happened before. So that I have to focus on my emotional and psychic recovery and that that has to be what comes first in my recovery is a real blessing. Um, and, you know, I'm going to end with a minute and a half here because I don't know how much more I have to say other than this is my home group. I'm so grateful for y'all. This is the first OA meeting that I've ever felt like I could consistently come back to. And uh, if no one's told you today, I love you. You're loved. You're taken care of. Um, hope you have a beautiful day and a weekend. That's all I got. Thank y'all.